From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small batch and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond. Friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other. Through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there's huge curiosity surrounding these topics. And we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared. And we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of corrections. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> From uniforms to unicorns. Unicorns. Hey, Lauren here. Just wanted to remind you that some of the things that Sharon and I and our guests talk about on this podcast can have adverse effects or bring on triggers for experiences that you have had in the past. So we just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning before you listen to any of the podcast episodes and say, take care of yourself. And thank you again for being here and listening. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Good to see you. I know. Good to see you too. We haven't done a Zoom for a little while now, but um, always nice yep. to see your face, my friend. You oh. too. Uh, yeah. So we have a podcast today, obviously. Um, <laughs> I love, uh, we were just talking before we jumped on here and we were saying how Sharon likes to stalk people. <laughs> she definitely uh, stalked uh, this, uh, this next guest, Autumn Clifford. We found her on Instagram. It's an you know, I'm so grateful for these platforms in some respect and despise them in others because yes. they steal a lot of my time. <laughs> um, but, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this so effortlessly if it wasn't for those social media platforms. So today we have Autumn Clifford joining us from Maine. Um, thank you for being here, Autumn. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. And Autumn has her own podcast, which she'll talk about as we go through this. Um, but one of the things that Sharon and I always like to start with is um, how did you get into law enforcement? So Autumn, she'll tell you, how'd you get into law enforcement, Autumn? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, real quick, because a lot of you are probably brand new to me. Um, my name is Autumn and I have 
been, I've been a law enforcement officer since I've been 20 years old. Um, about 26 and a half, I suffered a career ending injury. I don't have a cool story. I wasn't doing anything great. I um, just have a back injury. The back injury was severe enough um, that it took me out of full-time patrol. I'm still a certified police officer in the state of Maine in a part-time capacity, but right now like I just do community policing just so everybody's clear. Like I'm not out there. I'm not working the road. I'm not none of that. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like a duty, like an accommodation thing so that you're, you don't get re-injured. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, it's basically my chief just reached out to me and said, Hey, you're going to lose, you're going to lose everything. If you don't, you're going to lose your credentials. If you don't like work part-time somewhere, I need someone to run neighborhood watch and manage our social media. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, sweet. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Awesome. So so it's just very important that everybody knows like I'm not on the street, not pretending to be, I'm not out on patrol. I did that. Okay. But I don't do that anymore. So the question that you had asked is like, okay, I'm like, what made you want to do that? Um, and the answer truly is, is like, I couldn't do anything else. Like, <laughs> like, um, so I'm a second degree black belt in karate and I've been in the martial arts since I've been five years old. All my cousins are boys except one. And she was a tomboy, just like me. Like I grew up playing football, like on, on like cement, like we're idiots. Like I just roll (laughs) around with the boys, like, you know? And so when it came time for me to graduate high school, I'm like, shit, okay. I'm going to go do the only thing I know, think I want to do. And that's go do hair. I thought I want to be a hairdresser. (laughs) And, and it's so funny because my husband tells me I'm crazy. He's like hairdressers are, you know, they tend to be crazy autumn and you're not. So like, why didn't you go, you know, (laughs) but here's the thing. Um, it, I couldn't, I hated it. I did it for three months, was actually doing clients. I apprenticed in a hair salon, hated it, couldn't do it. And the only other thing I could think of is I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to go be a cop. <laughs> and that's what happened. <laughs> I, um, Very separate ends of the spectrum. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was, that was it, man. Like I was like, oh, like I, I might as well go take like, you know, my, my martial arts experience, it wasn't, it, it really isn't about That's like true. going hands-on. It was, it was all about literally communicating and, you know, getting to, you know, like, um, bringing de-escalating yeah, situations. de-escalation. Yeah. That, the that. book verbal judo. Have you ever read that book? I haven't. It's I very haven't. good, right? It's, it's a lot. To, you probably learned more all of that stuff before you even read the book, right? Oh. Well, yeah, because I was getting sick of getting my head smashed in and like martial arts class. So I was like, all right, I'm going to like see what I could do. Like I'm going to try to be friends with the people before we like we go and fight, right? Exactly. <laughs> so if they like me, they might take it easy on me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so yeah, awesome. so I got into it because of that. And, um, you know, as, as I continued, I really wanted to make an impact. Um, and, and this sounds, this I don't mean it to sound the way that it comes off, but let me just give you the backstory as I really wanted to be a role model for younger women, because I never really had a solid role model who I felt also cared deeply about me. And that's one of the things about me. I'm, you know, I'm empathetic to a fault. Like I really deeply will care and I'm very loyal and it it does get me in trouble because not everybody's like me. Right. Mm -hmm. And And so when I got into law enforcement, like I spent a lot of time speaking and talking to groups of people and really like mentoring, you know, some children, a lot of, I would say younger adults who needed a little bit of help. And, um, you know, and, um, in my ability to just get, give it to them straight, you know, really, um, 
I, I don't know, kind of, I don't know. It's why I enjoyed the job. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And that community building piece is so massive, right? We, we know that if you, if the cops come off as, um, I'm better than you, I'm authoritative, I'm the boss, right? Like that's so different where we're, where I love my husband's a police officer and we have like a small community. We're only 20,000 people. So, you know, the, that community building and is so important here um, because we are such a small community. I mean, in other areas like centers, Calgary or Edmonton, they still do it, but you don't know the police, you don't know every police officer, whereas here, you know who the police officers are, right? You likely play hockey with their kids or they go to school together or something like that, right? So that community building piece well, and is- I think, And I think you guys know this, especially, you know, working on the correction side, but like as a rookie, you are that black and white kind of like authoritative, mm-hmm. like you don't yet understand until honestly, in my opinion, what happens is somebody on the street, like smashes you and is like, listen up, whether it's physically or it's like this, like, you know, verbal, like they just give it to you. And you're like, yes. I can't read people this way anymore. You know, and, and you learn, Absolutely. you learn through that, like what you can get away with and what you can't, right? Like, oh, if I tell whatever, if I do that, there's, it is very black and white when you show up and you just think, well, this is how I learned it in the training yes. and this is how it needs to be done. But as you get to know the, the inmates or whatever individuals on the street, then you're like, oh, okay, well, I know I can play with this one a little bit. I know we have that sort of rapport. We have that relationship yeah. and i know in policing it's the same you deal with the same 10 percent of the population all the time right so mm-hmm. same for us we have 300 women that would come through the prison we only have 150 beds but the next 150 we've already seen them before exactly. right like it's exactly. all this, or their children it's either them or their children coming yeah that's true admissions and discharge more <laughs> right so yeah it's, yeah uh, and that that building the rapport piece for us like that's when Lauren and I started, we didn't have like weapons or, you know, and that the officers who came in and that were very, like you said, like the black and white, and these are the rules you need to abide, like they were in trouble all the time and incidents mm-hmm. were attacked. And then um, some of us learned, I learned quickly because like my first incident started like, I don't know, I was maybe a month in and it was like a physical um, incident. And then it was like, after that, it was like, I could, I learned I could talk my way out of it or through it or, you know, call out an inmate too, like call him down and say, hey, you don't act like that. Whereas, you know, with, when you're two months in, you can't say stuff like that. So it's like you learn as you go how to talk to people, right, to, mm-hmm. to humanize everybody and humanize yourself too. Like you'd say things like, I have to go home at the end of the day. I don't need you doing this shit, right? And they would be like, mm-hmm. you're right. I'm sorry for that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I had this inmate I remember I was on the security unit this is the funny and right when like stuff and they know you're new right so they they test you right yes. they you're right I remember like something was about to happen and I got in like my defensive stance mode and the inmate just fucking laughed at me like <laughs> go ahead I'm I know I know this fucking stance lady I'm just gonna kick your legs out from underneath you and knock out all your teeth so like have exactly. it. And, and she literally just like stood there and laughed at me and I was like oh fuck so that's not gonna work 
uh okay what else can I do in this situation right so it's it's so true you know and and I've got to say this so when the very beginning of my career I started in court security but also transport in the transport I worked with inmates so I would go to facilities, pick inmates up, transfer them. Sometimes they'd put me on details with um, inmates and take them places and like go pick up trash or go do community work. And I'm going to tell you, I had to learn fucking fast because honestly, they set me up for complete failure. I had never totally. been to the academy. You know, I had never been to the academy. I'm this little girl, 20 years old with a gu- a full gun belt, okay? <laughs> and and like they're sending me out with literally 10 inmates. They're like, "All right, go. Go take them." Like I'm oh sitting in a gosh. van. I've oh got an gosh. inmate on my gun side like sitting next to me in the passenger seat. Like this is what we're doing, but they're good. They're good. They've been in here a long time and they're on good time and they're going to be getting out soon, so they're not going to hurt you. That's So I'm literally like creating rapports with these dudes and I had all men. And I will tell you this, I'm not saying I was great because I wasn't, but I will tell you, I learned very quickly that they are humans. I will treat Mm -hmm. them as humans. Respect Mm -hmm. is everything. And those motherfuckers had my back. And, and if, if somebody like in the back of the van was getting out of line, they'd turn right around and be like, you better knock it off. Like no one's treating, they call me Clifford. No one's treating our Clifford like this. Cause I treated them good. I'm like, yeah. all right, guys, like, listen, I'm good. We're not strict. Do not try to fucking kill me. Yeah, we're good, you know? But rule number think, one, yeah. Rule number one, but I got to tell you, that experience, that year of my life of really going through that helped me become much better on the street mm-hmm. because I learned that lesson of, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because mm-hmm. you you got a gun and badge, you ain't shit. So yeah, so be good. A, be a That's human. so good. You know? That's good. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, that, and you just had to get like, be decent with a few of the, I remember like, uh, one of the inmates, uh, I had said to her the one time she said we were talking and, uh, that we were sitting on a we were sitting on a picnic table having a cigarette together because we used to be able to smoke <laughs> in the courtyard. And she, every time I would come in the house, she'd be smoking. And I'm like, why the fuck are you smoking in the house? Like, just step outside. Like every time I come in here. So then it's like I could do a charge or whatever, but I just we'd make them do push-ups or pick up cigarette butts or something. Like, cause the charges always got thrown out and then you're pissed off that you did all this work for nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we were sitting there the one day and she goes, Lauren, I have a feeling there's like a fine line between you and me. I got caught and you did it. And I was like, <laughs> that might, you know, like I, I didn't rob a drug dealer, but I mean, I'm not exactly a rule follower. Right, right, right. Right. So it was just, and then we ended up going to I ended up taking three inmates to an NA meeting and we were sitting there and this guy goes, oh, so we were talking about, I don't know, medication. And the one was super fun. She was funny. Uh, And he goes, oh, are you girls nurses? And the inmate and we wore street clothes we wore our street clothes all the before we had uniforms and the inmate laughs and she's like no uh we're federally sentenced female offenders and this little shit is our prison guard that's what she said to this dude i was like oh my god it was shelly oh my god i laughed so hard i was like yeah that's pretty much it i'm here with three minimum security inmates all by myself in my fucking pink pants and my yellow shirt and it was so funny but I knew I knew I was good if she was there like she's just yeah, exactly yeah, it was like yeah so 
interesting stuff. Hey, just very cool. It is interesting. Um, and and mm-hmm. it's, I think a lot of people don't realize like that actually probably wasn't super safe. You know what I mean? Oh, like, you I know looking back, right? not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all the shit that could have gone wrong but exactly. you know luckily we build that rapport right and we and the one ended up coming back as a maximum security inmate so she was minimum was released did a extremely violent offense and came up as a maximum security inmate. and I was like holy shit wow no that, it could have been me but it's just like you autumn like driving around like you look back now driving around like 10 male inmates and you are 20 years old like the the shit could have gone down right it could have gone sideways very quickly yeah they could have probably got some really good stuff if they had got you in the back of the van and right like totally the negotiation that would have probably taken place to get you out of that right would have been like airplanes probably coming (laughs) in right exactly gosh it's true it's so true but you know Back then, I guess, I, I, I really don't know. And I have an idea. It probably still happens today, you know, which yes. is just it's scary. It's um, it's very scary. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think so, Um, th- you know, I don't obviously don't have a very long career, but I, you know, I did get diagnosed with PTSD and anxiety disorder. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's where it started. I would get so nervous because- I mean, let's just not kid ourselves. I mean, we're sitting here with like convicted criminals. I mean, you know, and um, some of them, yeah, because mine were all convicted. They were in jail. We weren't in a prison, but they, so like their sentences, like were obviously a lot shorter. Okay. So right. I think it was like, they'd be up to a year. So were they like, no, they weren't murderers or anything like that. But right. then, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't always matter. Somebody could be angry because they're in there and take it out on the wrong person, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm also want to say too, like, and you guys know this: people make mistakes. So mm-hmm. we all know, like, just because you're in there does not mean you're a bad person. Right. But totally, totally. Like sometimes we're in a bad situation and we feel like we have nothing to lose, and so we, you know. Anyways, the amount of anxiety I would have, like driving a group of male inmates, like who could have killed me at any second. Yeah. I mean, I would, I didn't know it was anxiety at the time, but I'd be driving and my palms would be getting so sweaty and I would actually get tunnel vision. All of a sudden my vision would do this, Mm. but I felt like I couldn't breathe. I'd have to call somebody. I'd call my mom or my aunt. I'd just be driving and I'd have them on speakerphone. And I'm like, I really feel like I'm having a heart attack and I'm driving and I've got this van, you know what I mean? And they'd be like, no, that's your anxiety. Like, mm-hmm. wow. and I wish wow. I would have listened and I would have been like, Hey, I can't do this anymore. This is unsafe, you know, but, mm-hmm. but listen, but then I was so afraid of career suicide. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. You're, you don't especially wanna... as a, especially as a female, like you never want to be seen as I'm weaker or I can't do this. Or mm-hmm. whereas, you know, when you look back, you're like, Oh man. Right. Cause that's, it's the start of something. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of like what, started like this anxiety disorders well that hypervigilance right yeah your nervous system is heightened I was way and I remember like after Sharon and I would always be like even and lots of 
like if the, you were new, you, you were asked to do things that they knew was unsafe. Mm-hmm. So they knew not to ask Sharon and I at like probably after a couple of years of being there to do specific tasks because we would get the union involved. It was like, no, that's unsafe. And we knew, so they would always ask the new people. And as they're like walking out with like their permit, we're like, where are you going? And they would say, and I'm like, oh my God, I would never do that. Like I would never go to a funeral out on on a reserve without especially if we know like it's a known gang they're like sending brand new people brand new stuff and no cell service out there and you're like Mm -hmm. and they ask them remember they say don't wear uniforms so you can blend in and I'm like uh where are you going yeah so you're right we would stop them at the door because we've been there we've Mm -hmm. done that we felt that anxiety and or that feeling in the pit of your stomach knowing okay this is these are all my exit routes of this shit goes bad because we've been at gang member funerals. Mm-hmm. We've been taking like inmates who, be, who came back as Max to church. I was thinking about that in a van and you're just thinking, okay, if they choke me from behind while I'm driving, I'm going to like hit the gas and I'm going to just kill us all. Like <laughs> yeah. y- your thoughts are like that. And they form one year into your career. Yeah. And you, and you get very, conscious of those and I remember we would like remember we would call the max and be like are you sending out the family member to like a a cousin and they're like no way we would and I'm like what they're not even going and they have guns exactly why are we going in (laughs) our in our gap pants and our hoodies and trying to blend in at gang member funerals known gang member funerals and they'd I be can't like even imagine yeah <laughs> it's very different in canada the 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 i and i i don't do that i maybe you know that like would you take someone to a, would you have to pick someone up and take them to a funeral no yeah so yeah. yeah and i don't i don't think it happens in the states from the conversations i've had with other people it's like if you're in prison when someone dies it's you're in prison when someone dies that's just how it works but in yeah. canada you can apply to go to the funeral well, you, i took i took an inmate to her daughter's wedding yeah that's what i mean it was like yeah. a gong show think looking back and it was like everybody was their common law mm-hmm. i'm like how could you have a common law you've been in jail for 10 years <laughs> dummy like <laughs> Who's your common law? Right. I don't, whatever. But <laughs> yeah. We no. could go on and on and we on. Totally right? We totally could. We totally could. Okay. So you, you are a full-time <laughs> police officer. You are diagnosed with PTSD and you hurt your back. Is this all like in a signet, like all at the same time? No, no, no. I got diagnosed um, with PTSD and an anxiety disorder. Like, I don't know a few years before I'd say one or two years before my back injury. Um, and you know, that was just like, I'd go to the grocery store and I would feel like I'm like, I literally felt like I was on a rocket ship. I don't know if you guys can like relate to that, but like, I just, I'd like, I'd be there and I'm like, I can't breathe. My palms are sweaty. And it was like, things would go by me. Like as I was walking slow, but it felt like everything was going by me so fast. My throat would clam up. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was just like, just different things like that driving. I mean, I was just, I was very, very like hypervigilant way out of my mind. My nervous system was just not regulated. I wasn't sleeping. Um, and so, yes. yeah, I went and saw a therapist and I had to be honest with you. I think more first responders need that corrections mm-hmm. officers included. Like we as preventative, right. To just yes. get those things. And I, and we have talked about this extensively, like Sharon and I really only started talking about it 
when the pandemic started about like what we personally went through at the prison good good friends but never shared it with each other because you don't right because you don't want to be seen weak you don't want to be put on the front desk duty you don't want to like all this stuff so it's like who are you talking to nobody and and we know if it doesn't come out it stays in and it has massive negative impacts on your your mental and your physical Mm -hmm. right so yeah good I think that's so good like so many people I still see a therapist I still right like it's and Mm -hmm. and I I when people say like what would you suggest starting out I'm like get a therapist or get someone that you know that you can talk to who will listen without giving you a ton of advice, just someone where that information can leave your body and it can be unpacked somewhere else rather than, because we know if we don't say it, it stays there. Right. Just, and as we say it, we learn, right. Mm -hmm. It's that big self-awareness piece to say, like, sometimes when we spew stuff, we're like, Oh my God, I had no idea I was even feeling that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So really that's the big and and for spouses right and oh, you're yeah. you're the did you say you're the you're the spouse of a police officer is that what you said yeah, yeah. right so it's also good for us to have those and not be the the person that like yeah my husband talks to me but he doesn't tell me all the gory details and he doesn't whatever right but it's like but you also need an outlet as the spouse and your partner not and not in the relationship mm-hmm. totally right yep. so so mm-hmm. so interesting to yeah a therapist is always like get someone you can talk to even if it's not a registered therapist somebody that you can talk to openly about it who won't take on your trauma also right like therapists are trained to not take it on so yes 100 and i think what people should recognize is highly successful people do have therapists Mm -hmm. and they have coaches right so a coach and a therapist so what i do now so i've been coaching professionally for the last eight years um i am not a therapist i'm not trying to be anybody's therapist i a a coach will help you get to success okay so like that's that's like what i do i mean there's a ton of different coaches everybody does something else but like i really help transform my clients from being stuck to like thriving. You want to, you know, get promoted. You want to get into the career. You want to build the business. You want to lose weight. I've had clients lose a hundred pounds. Like, I mean, it doesn't really, what do you want to do? We can do that. But a therapist is going to help you process your emotions. And I think, I think that there is such a negative connotation with the whole therapy thing, but if people could actually recognize the most successful people in the world have it all. So why wouldn't we want that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and so, you can't actually go through step through success, right? Like, cause I do the same thing as you. I do a lot of business coaching and stuff. And if they come to me and we start talking and I'm like, have you ever seen a therapist? Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to unpack the shit that you're bringing here. Exactly. Right. This is, this is like, uh, there's a, a division between the two. And mm-hmm. I like, I've had lots of police officers come through and I'm like, have you seen therapy? No, I just want to fucking get through that. And I'm like, mm. We're going to have to do that before, because totally. a lot of the stuff that you bring, yes, is, that's, that's your job to be able to step here and say, you know what, I've done some of this work. I realize some of it probably will come up again, mm-hmm. but I've at least taken the steps to move forward because you can't move forward when you're holding on to all of these things. And I'm not ready to unpack your childhood. Okay. Totally. Let's get, right? I want you to come here with some insight, some self-awareness to say, I've done this work. I've gone through this transition. Now I'm ready to move forward. It, 
it'll never be perfect, obviously, right? There will always be, but yeah, I, I struggle with people who have never done any sort of like the, the, the self-awareness stuff to start with or uh-huh. talked about their experience outside of where we're about to go. Cause I'm like, mm, I, I can't help you. Right. And, and that's yes. why would you pay me if I can't help you until you've done the initial work to get you here. Right. 100%, so, exactly. Yeah. So what inspired you to tr- like, to become a coach, to transform, um, into that, into yeah. that part. Yeah. So, um, Tony Robbins, <laughs> so Basically, it was like this. So when I was when I was injured, um, I was couch ridden for six months. Um, it, it my legs were numb; they'd go really numb, um, shooting pains down my legs. I still will deal with it from time to time. So I'm not healed, just so everybody knows. I just have learned to manage it better. But when it first, you know, when it was really bad and it was in its peak, I was only comfortable laying down on my couch and it had to be flat. Like, so standing for long oh, period, I'd go crazy, especially when you're like such a, like a mind oh, person, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So like I faced crippling anxiety, depression, you name it, like gained weight, like just lost myself. Um, and somebody who had always really inspired me, even when I was on the job was Tony Robbins. And one day I just, you know, my, my husband, he, he I just remember him coming and sitting on the end of our bed being like, where's my wife? Like, well, at the time, I think I was his fiance or maybe his girlfriend. I can't remember. We've been together a while, but he was like, where's Autumn? Like, where's the girl who I got with? Like, where is she? I don't know where she is. She's gone. We need to get her back. And so like him and my mom were on this mission of really like making sure that I don't slip even further into the darkness. Right. Cause like you said, laying fucking down for six months, like, you know, I did things, but not like we normally would do things, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so it was very easy to get depressed. Well, Tony got me out of bed and I listened to a lot of his YouTube. So if anybody's in a, having a hard time, Tony Robbins is great. He's a great resource. He's got so much free YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're his shaking books. your head like, you know, yeah. I worked with Tony when he was in Canada. So Did I love know? Tony. I love him. I personally love him. I loved his stuff before, but it's like amazing. all of his That's books are amazing. His podcast is amazing. Um, I've Everything. done I've done date with destiny. I've done business mastery. Yeah. So he, um, you did do business mastery. Did you love it? I was supposed to be there this week and be crewing it online, but there was a fuck up. Yeah. I'm super, it's okay. I'll, you know what it's supposed to be, but I did do business mastery and yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I loved it. I loved it. I loved every second of it. So Tony is just, yeah. So then you can relate to this. Like he, he just, he really fucking got me out of bed, man. Like just listening to him and, and his books and yeah, I've got his books and then whatever. And like, and he just, from that point, I just went like this. Okay. I could sit here and be a blubbering mess, which is what I felt like doing. I, you know, I had um, a bachelor's in criminal justice and I was at that time, I was halfway through getting my master's of criminal justice. Now here's what we know, ladies. What the fuck can we do with that? Really? <laughs> it's like a psychology degree. Open up a psychology factory. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do? That's right. To, yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, shit, like, what am I going to do? So I'm going to take my training, education, and experience, and I'm going to apply it and I'm going to help others. Luckily, what I had working in my favor is I had been a beach body coach prior mm-hmm. to all of this. So that kind of got me coaching. You know what I mean? But I'm like, and they, they have amazing resources for their for their, like through their company, amazing resources. Amazing. Mm -hmm. But I realized like that, that wasn't for me, but the coaching was right. But like 
that application anyways. And so that's how I started. I just literally started taking my own training education experience, started helping people. And it was effective. And I think it was effective just because I, I think, and you girls will be able to relate to this, but like, we just always like, we always pretend that even though as we're first responders, I wouldn't say pretend, but like we get it in our mind. We convince ourselves. That's all we are. Like, it's like all we bring to the table, right? Like I'm just a cop. Like that's all I would tell myself is like, I'm just a cop. What the fuck do I know? It's like, listen, bitch, you know, a lot, because <laughs> yeah. you, you know, just yes. like we have to do so many things. And so I think I broke that down and I would just be able to apply that to help clients. I don't know. I, I just, again, yes. I mean, it, in, and to answer your question, I'm sorry, it's like a long way to get to the no, answer. But I love it. <laughs> but, the, but the root cause was this is like, I just always wanted a strong female role model. And awesome. clearly I have some trauma behind that, right? Like there was a, the couple that I knew really let me down when I was young. And I, and I just remember having so many conversations with my mom, like, there's nobody like me. Like, I'm not a small girl. I'm not, I'm not a thin, skinny, petite girl. I am like, like it's how I see myself. My mom always tell me like, you're built like a brick shit house. Oh yeah. I get that too. My mom still me says too. that to me. me yeah. Too. yeah. <laughs> so you get it. What else was I supposed to fucking be, right? Exactly. Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> and I love food and like motherfucker, yes. like whatever, yes. right? And so, but there was nobody when I was growing up, there was nobody I could look at who looked like me. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I'm like, fuck, like now I'm going to take this philosophy and I'm going to put it online and it, and it, and it, uh, you know, a lot of women have been looking for somebody who looks like them, like who reminds them who they, of who they are. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. and, and that's really been that's really been my goal is to just remind people like, and, and I just want to say this is like, as a coach for me, and I'm sure that you're the exact same as a coach, both of you is like, I don't have the answers. You have the answers. My job mm-hmm. is just to pull that out of you. Mm-hmm. Just like when I was a police officer, I didn't have the answers. You did. I, whether you committed this crime or what happened, right? It was my yeah. job to just say, oh, like, let's talk about it. Let's pull it out of you. What really happened? Mm-hmm. I feel like it just kind of translated. Yeah, well, and it's so funny because when I started as a coach, like uh, same as you, 2005, uh, my mentor was very much like, I'm like, oh, I'm not, cause she's like, oh, here, uh, I got this coaching client. I don't have time for them. Here you go. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. She's like, yeah, you fucking do. Yeah, she's like, didn't yeah. you train to like interview people in the prison? Didn't you train to ask questions? Weren't you, didn't you like create plans for like how you're going to move forward? Like the go to go to substance abuse and anger management. Like literally that's what we're doing here, Lauren. Mm-hmm. So don't act like you don't know what you're doing. You absolutely know what you're doing. You've been trained for this your whole life. And I'm like, and then I just did it. And then yeah. I did Tony Robbins strategic intervention coaching uh, course, which is amazing too. If I'm, if you ever want uh, uh, it's so good. Um, I loved it more than anything in the whole world, but it it really helped me see like, oh fuck, I do know this stuff. Like, yeah, Tony Robbins can teach it to me in another avenue. And I'm constantly learning and building probably the same as you. We're always learning. Um, but it was just kind of like, oh yeah, I do know that. Oh my God. I do know that too. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just moving that identity from a corrections officer to say, okay, no, I I've been trained my whole life to do this job. Right. No. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I love it. I love it. Okay. So tell us, uh, now, so you started your own coaching business, obviously, right. You do that mostly online. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Online. Yeah. Good. Cool. Awesome. And who was, who was your, I like, who was your ideal client? Oh, geez. Um, you know, really, so I do, I do it all online. Um, I host like, um, one, like I do in-person events I've trained at police departments, I've trained businesses, go speak at colleges, speak places, but for coaching, you know, my ideal client really is, um, I have worked with men. I just want to say that I had, but, but it's only a few good men because by and large for me, the people who are ready for me are going to be they're females. Cause they're just more open, yeah, yeah. you know, but I have had a, a handful of great men. So I just want to say like, I am open to the man, but a, a lot of it is, um, yeah, a, a woman who just really wants to, you know, 10 X what she's doing. She's stuck. She doesn't feel good about herself. She's, um, hit her glass ceiling. She's, she's gotten like, she's successful, but now she's just like, boom, motherfuckers. Like I'm ready to blow it out of the water. doesn't quite know how to get there. Um, and just needs, Perfect. you know, an objective look at things and a plan on how to execute. One of the things that I do that is quite different is I really bring in the energy of success. Like that's what I call it, but I work with, I work with energy. So um, I have a lot of unconventional practices, whereas a lot of people are far more conventional. Like I, like I grew up talking to angels, right? Like my mother's a shaman, you know, we, all this like holistic shit, I just bring it in and it's a little bit more, I, I use, I make it less woo and more applicable. And, and so people can like utilize these tools to really make a difference in their lives. Amazing. Yeah. We get to like, we're just drawn, Lauren and I both are just drawn to your energy right here. We, the three of us, it's like, we've probably met in another lifetime, but <laughs> totally, even, like <laughs> totally. What, what you're saying though, like that's resonating the most with me is like looking for that strong role model growing up I grew up like three brothers we were the same like in the cul-de-sac playing sports and like people Mm -hmm. would even my mom she's like you need to wear a dress you need to this but there was no one else to look up to and like when I got to correction, I wanted to be a cop I ended up in corrections and you know my aunt said well of course like what else would you have done like of course you were you're physical you're strong like the the you know, bulkier, you know, mm-hmm. you talk shit, you've got this mm-hmm. huge attitude, like what else were you going to do? Right. Like, exactly. uh, uh, cur- like, you know, law enforcement, you could maybe a rapper or something like that. Like, but do you know, just- that's my dream. Do you understand <laughs> that my altar, my altar, even with me, like all of my clients know that, like I rap. <laughs> oh that's so that's so funny I mean I never I never wanted to be a cop that was not like my lifelong dream and like I always wanted to be a teacher but I think now I look back on it right and through therapy and stuff it's like but you are teaching that yeah. is essentially what you you're you're you were teaching in different avenues it just wasn't the conventional go to university, take education, right? You taught inmates, you taught, Mm -hmm. you mentored staff, you, like I was a fire instructor at the prison. So I instructed, right? So like I was always following that, but just didn't put the pieces together until much later on in life, which is totally fine. I mean, but yeah, just kind of, and it was funny uh, because I'm a, I'm a lot like you, but I'm, I became an instructor at my police academy and taught different things too. So it's just, it's funny, the parallels, you know? Totally. Right. Yeah. Yes. And and when you say like, I, I know why, and that's the biggest thing is, and you know, this through coaching people, it's like, okay, but why, 
Why is this? Mm-hmm. I want to lose weight. Okay. But why, why is mm-hmm. that important to you? Oh, because, um, you know, I, I just want to look better. No, there's something mm-hmm. else. What? No, what else? Why, why do you want to look better? Because someone told you something way back when, right? So I, and the what, like we have to connect to that. Why? So why we do this work. And you're like, because I needed a role model. I need someone to show me that. And I was just on LinkedIn and I was, this guy and I were messaging back and forth on a comment and he said something about the why. And I said, if it doesn't make you cry and that's a Tony Robbins thing, right? If the why doesn't make you cry, we're not close enough. We're not there yet. Right. And I always, do that in my workshops and then they're they're like oh fuck you're gonna make me cry aren't you I'm like if you're not fucking crying we're not done let's go (laughs) so good too right yeah Yeah. Yeah. but but you really have to connect to it in order to gain the momentum right to actually mm -hmm. do the things that you're like okay what are we doing here why are why are we trying to bust this and it's more authentic when you're connected to something like you can't just go out there and say well i want to help people you have to actually be authentic and connect to it for people to be drawn in right right that energy the energy so true tell us about your podcast though yes Ah, yeah so um (laughs) so i had my podcast was actually part of like my therapy i gotta tell you so um i started it in i believe 2018 and if you go back and you listen um to it you go listen to like the first 10 episodes you hear autumn like raw and friggin raw like i was like i was just motherfucking everything and i was like (laughs) you know and but i have to tell you i didn't i just did it for me i just did the podcast for me because i'm like i just need to get this out and like all of a sudden all of these officers were like oh my god because at the time it was it was podcasts were kind of a new thing newer for like law Mm -hmm. enforcement and like at the time nobody it was definitely not a female speaking up the way that I was. And I was like, I just didn't give a shit. Right. Because there's a lot of things that have happened to me and I felt very scorned. I felt very upset. I felt very um, wrong. I don't feel that way anymore. A lot of therapy, but at the time I did. So anyways, um, I started it. You can go back and listen. I've, I've changed. We have changed the name of that podcast as I've transformed the podcast is transformed. Mm -hmm. And currently right now it's called she's an asset. We have over 200 episodes on there. It is a personal development um, podcast, but we hit everything from mindset to law enforcement to relationships. I mean, every aspect to anything. It's really about how to be, you know, an asset in life and an, and an asset, the definition of an asset is to be a, a person of value, to be a thing, a person of value. So that is currently the podcast. Um, I do want to get you girls on there in a few months. Yeah, like, of course. Conversation. Maybe we'll fly to Maine, Lauren. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sharon, party. Like, Sharon will fucking make a trip out of anything. We're coming. <laughs> I love it. Please do. Let's go have a party. We'll have a blast. Yes, we'll have a blast. Oh man. Yeah. Good. Oh, well, I, I, I don't know. Sharon, and here's the thing that people might not know. Sharon does most of the stalking and the research. I said that at the beginning, right? So then, and I'm like, we're just, our lives are so busy. We have teenage kids. We're running people here. Literally, we're like, did you look this up? Did you know? Okay, I'll meet you on the thing five minutes before we pop on. So I had no idea you had a podcast. So I'm super excited to go. And uh, I'm, I have a walk plan this afternoon. So I'm going to download it and take a listen. And listen, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm I, really... And also, side note, I prefer the term investigative research researcher versus stalker (laughs) (laughs) i'm on the case 
I got this. Yeah, so she'll come to me with our little morning briefing. Uh, here's what is happening today. And I'm like, oh man, I appreciate you so much because I did not have time to do that this yeah. one. So yeah, it's good. It's very well, we're so we're so like filled with gratitude to just even meet you, to have yes. you on. This has been amazing. And we'll have to like do a part two or come on your show or yes. either way. We're so um, grateful to you. Yes, well, thank, thank you. you. And I hope sure. you guys are going to come into the Facebook group. We yes, are. I've got yes, it we written are. down here. Yeah. All right. It's and called is, that, is that invite only? I'm just wondering because I'm like, could we, can we share it? Of course. No, share okay. it. Share, okay. I mean, I do, I do monitor who comes in. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> so okay, that's there fair. are some, there are some questions and I want to know who's coming in uh, because I will tell you this. So just so everybody knows, give you a little bit of context. When I started out coaching, that was how I started. I just started my little, I had a little Facebook group and it grew and it was a family to me, you know, and that was how I grew. That's how that it, I, I just nurtured it. And then eventually got out online and blah, blah, and did all the things. And it's great. But I got to be honest with you. I'm just really coming back to wanting to have this little, like this group like of my people what I can nurture and we can know each other. And like when shit's going wrong, you have a community. You know, I, I, I really believe we've gotten so far away from the community aspect. And I, mm. and I just don't believe you can create a good community on a wide open social media platform. Yes, exactly. Yes, I, agree. I, I agree. I haven't been able to do it. I'm, I'm decent at creating community. I'm not a pro, but I have not been able to do it. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going back to my Facebook group. So and here's the biggest thing that we know too, like so many people right now, uh, like the pandemic is over. People are like how, and I, I run retreats for first responder spouses to a nonprofit that I founded. And everybody is like, I'm like, okay, we can do this thing online or we can do it live. They're like live. I need people. Live. I need community. I need connection. I need, uh, all of these things because we have been so disconnected through the pandemic mm -hmm. and it will take time. People need to dip their toes back in. And mm -hmm. because I even found like during now I'm just like, man, eh, no, I'm not going to do, I'm, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone, which is not a step out of my comfort zone for like, I'm going to a yoga retreat tomorrow, which, which is amazing. I would normally do this note, but even I was like, Oh, should I go? Oh, well, there's so much going on. And we have, we actually have company this weekend. So I'm like, Oh, should I step away from that? But I'm just like, no, Lauren, this is what you need. Yeah. Pay attention to that. Uh, but before I would have just like signed up and been like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll figure it out. Who cares? Right. right? Whereas now I'm a little bit more like, who's going to be there? Right. I don't ask who's going to be there, but I'm curious. Like, yeah. Right. Whereas before I'm like, who cares who's there? But the people that I'm supposed to be with will be there tomorrow. We'll so be that's there. what I'm excited yeah. about. But yeah, very cool. Very cool. I, I am excited to join your community and learn yes. more about what you do and who's there. And um, I will share that in the show notes too. If anybody wants to, to join, then they, they can with supervision from you. But with supervision, <laughs> if you get a supervisor. If you get a flood of people on the day that get this gets released, they're good people. If they listen to our podcast, they're good people. So <laughs> yeah, just okay, tell me well. that. Just tell me that the questions. Just say, listen, yeah. I'm a unicorn. I'm coming. I'm a unicorn. I'm, I'm a in. unicorn. I'm in. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, thanks again, Autumn. We so appreciate it. And uh, we will definitely uh, be in touch with you soon. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at From Unicorns to Unicorns uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. 
Also feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review. Also feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy. We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day, love. Lauren and Sharon.